Hello, you welcome to the show Unforeseen Rise, where we will be discussing the potential unforeseen rise of different nation states within Southeast Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Latin America. So what do we mean when we say unforeseen rise? Unforeseen rise refers to the unpredicted or unexpected advancement of different nations within um, the different regions. So these include Southeast Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Latin America. Because broadly speaking, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America, and Southeast Asia are lands stereotypically characterized by authoritarianism, poverty, disorder, underdevelopment, and also danger in terms of the endangerment of peace and security. But we're going to look into various developments that are actually happening right now within these regions and consider how they could actually be leading to um, the potential breaking out of these nations from common negative labels. And there is now greater potential for these nations to actually experience um, a rise, an unforeseen rise. And so lands marked by impoverishment will we'll see can no longer be labeled as starkly in such, in such a light. And although each region has its own struggles, this perhaps cannot undermine their ability to overcome them. These challenges could possibly be the gear for going against the odds for them, whereby they're able to change their perceived position in the world system. We'll begin by looking at Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia is a region that stretches from the east of India to the south of China. It has 11 countries, so this includes, but is not limited to, uh, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, Thailand, Vietnam, and the small city-state of Singapore. This region is particularly known for its blissful lands, its infinite beaches, its resorts, its appetizing cuisine, and also diverse cultures. It's also known as the land of temples, um, whereby, for example, countries like Thailand have 35,000 temples um, alone. And uh, this region, they have their own regional organization called the Southeast Asian Nations, ASEAN. And this is a regional grouping that promotes economic, political, and security cooperation among its 10 members. So these members include Brunei, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia, Myanmar, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. And it has managed to uh, successfully maintain peace, stability, and security in the region through various frameworks and mechanisms, such as, for instance, the Zone of Peace, Freedom, and Neutrality, and also the Treaty of Amity and Cooperation in uh, Southeast Asia. And although this is a very old organization, it was created uh, around 1967. The, 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 the cooperation amongst the nations through this medium actually helps us to see how uh, the region can actually be uh, can can actually be uh, seeing themselves experiencing an unforeseen rise. This is because um, the region alone has actually managed to achieve remarkable economic growth and raise its people out of poverty, um, whereby it has reached a point where ASEAN GDP um, is now amongst the five largest in the world. And so, and it's not a supernatural organization. This is an organization where there's horizontal sovereignty. There's, there's, um, they speak at the same level when it comes to dialogue. And so this is really um, monumental and this is really remarkable. And it shows how 
um, just just the existence of this organization on its own helps us to see that perhaps the label that we put on Southeast Asia as perhaps a, a, a region that is marked by poverty or a region that is marked by uh, scarcity could actually be experiencing an unforeseen rise through their cooperation amongst each other. And one of the things that uh, are seen, one of the labels that are given Southeast, uh, Southeast Asia is their vulnerability to climate change, given that they are, um, most of these, most of these nation states are islands. And so they're vulnerable not only because, for example, they've, they've experienced rapid urbanization and there's water scarcity already, and they're also hotspots of infectious diseases such as malaria and dengue fever, um, climate change actually has predicted to lead to rising uh, sea levels, which leads to dangerous flooding and changing of rain patterns, which could also lead to violent typhoons. And also um, to Philippines, for instance, which is prone to cyclones, it could actually uh, lead to uh, more frequent cyclones happening in in the region. And so this, this has implications um, for jobs, uh, particularly because uh, the rising sea levels uh, basically um, threatens uh, the, 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 the agriculture and also cuts in fish stocks, which in Philippines and Indonesia, these industries actually make up half of, of the jobs in the population. And also drought in Indonesia is also a, a threat as well. And so uh, nations, nation states within this region have actually taken, uh, taken their own initiative in order to also to reduce their own carbon print in order to reduce the effects of climate change on their own, on, on, in their nation states. So this includes, for example, Indonesia, uh, Hyundai, and LG have actually been uh, recently are investing in batteries and electric uh, vehicles, these technological innovations um, to try and cut their carbon footprint and reduce their emissions. And then you see countries such as Vietnam and Thailand, whereby um, the energy capacity from renewable energy is actually increasing in comparison to non-renewable. So there's there's a shift and there's a turn to renewable energy sources such as wind and solar energy um, and moving away from natural gas and coal-fired plants. And this, uh, by investing in different uh, means of, of producing energy, they're breaking away also from the dependence of the Mekong dams. The Mekong dams are dams that are created, that, that have been created um, by China um and and um this and they have they have a drastic effect on countries such as Myanmar, Laos, Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam whereby the Mekong Delta whereby there are over 60 million inhabitants they are experiencing um water being held back due to the dams and also the blocking of fish migration and also the prevention of salt water infiltration from the South China Sea so as these as these countries invest in renewable energy um, particularly Vietnam and Thailand, they're breaking away from the dependence uh, from these Mekong dams. Um, an example to 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 make to give to give some perspective. For example, Indonesia, thirty thousand have been displaced in the Indonesia Sumatra, right? And so there are these there are these we see these nation states taking um, they t they're they're kind of writing their own story and writing what it looks like to reduce their current emissions in order to reduce. Um, the, 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 the drastic impact of this profound destabilizing force called climate change. At the same time, it's also important to note that there is an argument that other countries, such as, for instance, China, India, and the USA, should also be taking a more active role in reducing their emissions, given that they are one of the largest emitters in the world. And by, 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 by taking um, 
larger initiatives to reduce their carbon emissions, the prospect of destruction in these nation states, such as um, Indonesia, Vietnam, and Thailand, is also drastically reduced. Um, and then we also look at, for example, democracy is also another thing that we look at in Southeast Asia, whereby there is this notion that there's this democratic erosion and this societal discord, particularly in Indonesia and in Malaysia, in Philippines and in Sri Lanka and Thailand. For, and um, we see, for example, in Indonesia, there's this competition between Islamist and pro-Islamist forces that have brought division within um, within the political sphere. We see in Thailand, there's increased polarization over, over the legitimacy of monarchical and existing social hierarchies. In Myanmar, there was recently this military coup, which basically took away the rights um, that, the, that, the, that the people in Myanmar had actually fought for. We see in Philippines, the rise of a uh, populist president, um, which um, who, who carries out actions that seem very anti-democratic. Um, and although there is this uh, label, there is this characterization, we see that in Malaysia, um, there has been a change in the government um, after after a very long time, which 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 portrays a sense of democracy that is present within the region, and also um, even for Indonesia, there was the end of the Suharto regime, whereby democracy was restored, right? And so these these developments that have that have taken place also pro, uh, propose that the prospect of an unforeseen rise in Southeast Asia is quite um, possible and probable. And then we also see, even in Southeast Asia, we see female presidents. We see um, uh, um, Aquino from Philippines, uh, Makabagal from Philippines, um, also others from Indonesia and Thailand as well. And so we see that not only are is the are the different nations kind of moving towards uh, democracy, but also there is greater representation in regards to also having women in those political positions as well. And also when we look at uh, we also can also look at Vietnam as well um, when it comes to their 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 law on on migration, their law on 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 protecting the rights of migrant workers. So recently, in in uh, twenty twenty, the the two thousand and six version of the law on contract based Vietnamese overseas workers, law seventy two, was revised uh, by the National um, Assembly based on recommendations by ILO, and this was quite uh, this is quite. Uh, a monumental and it's quite uh it's quite um it's quite important because uh we see that um there 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 is there is there is a there is an effort to protect the workers that are moving away from Vietnam to different countries right because a lot of a lot of the times uh migrant workers from Vietnam they they tend to experience um that they are there that they that they are treated in in ways that um kind of that violate the human rights this effectively means that um, the 560,000 or 600,000 Vietnamese people who are working in more than 40 countries and territories worldwide are able to experience uh, certain, um, they're, able, they're able to be protected, right? So this, for example, is seen through the removal of the obligation of migrant workers to pay brokerage commissions and um, explicit pro pro prohibition on recruitment agencies passing these costs down to workers. Um, and this this specific removal of brokerage fees actually tackles a cost category that is regularly charged to American workers and could also be eventually mirrored in other countries. And this law, now called Law 69, will be initiated uh, by, by the government in 2022. So we are yet to see its efficacy, we're yet to see its effectiveness, but it is promising 
and it could have a ripple effect across Southeast Asia, especially um, looking at the status of some of these nations, whereby they are known for uh, for having a lot of a lot of migrants, and it's easy for migrants to be mis mistreated when they travel abroad, for instance, to um, to Japan or to Taiwan or to or to China, and so having this protection is very important for them, and we see them. Um, we see them taking charge in this in this area, and and this could possibly lead to the unforeseen rise of of um of these nations as a, as a result of this initiative. And so, although Southeast Asia is usually known for uh, things such as uh, rapid urbanization, water scarcity, poverty, and also being vulnerable to climate change, or even uh, having this uh, decline or this deterioration of democracy, we see that. Uh, nation states within this region are taking charge of these issues and they're and they're and they are trying to um, work on them not only that but also um the unforeseen rise of of the nation states this region is also promoted by existing structures such as the ASEAN and also uh progressions that have already been made such as having female presidency um and also having um shifts in regimes that have promoted democracy and even even the law 72 in Vietnam, which also promotes the people, promotes uh, the rights of migrant workers, even if they are abroad away from their away from their home state. We're also going to be looking at Sub-Saharan Africa. Sub-Saharan Africa is a region that encompasses 47 countries in Central, Western, Eastern and Southern Africa. These include countries that are partially or totally south of the Sahara Desert. These include the Republic and Democratic Republic of Congo, which is in the center, Central Africa. Uh, in the West, we have Nigeria, Burkina Faso. In the East, we have Ethiopia. We have Somalia, we have Tanzania, we have Kenya. In the South, we have Botswana, Mozambique, Madagascar, and Zambia. And given how large and how vast this region is, there is large cultural heterogeneity. There are many native groups. They all have different histories, different beliefs, different traditions, um, that 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 are that are in their that in their societies, and even within one nation states, you find that there are numerous ethnicities and there are numerous languages. Each has its own landscape and each has its own um, environment that it that it exists in. When you look at the population of Sub-Saharan Africa, there is about 1 billion people. This makes it the third largest uh, region after East, Eastern Asia and also um, in Southern Asia. And so it is a very populous uh, region. And um, when, 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 when many uh, will think or refer to Sub-Saharan Africa, it is uh, stereotypically labeled as a place where there are high fertility rates, whereby there's urbanization, um, but this urbanization is it literally puts pressures on the social and economic systems, which are dysfunctional. Um, poverty is, uh, is is chronic. Poverty is a, is a is a huge problem, and millions are struggling to survive, um, especially with an increased exposure to illness and also with um, with, with uh, events such as a famine. And so you have a region that stretches from. Um, savannas and uh, from the south of the Sahara Desert to the coastal uh, mountains and the valleys of the Cape, which is stereotypically known even as a dumping ground, a region that is prolific uh, with 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 issues um, 
um, certain certain sources highlight how there isn't enough infrastructure, uh, there's lack of road networks, the electricity challenges, uh, that th there is a fast uh, growing population, there is quite, uh, we look at the demo demographics, there is quite a young population, but even with the young population, um, when we look at the urbanization within the different uh, nation states, of course it varies. For example, maybe Kenya would have would be more urbanized um, than, than 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 another country, but um, there is um, urbanization is not as as rapid. And when we look at cons consumer expenditure as well, it's it's uh, relatively low. And even um, uh, you know mobile uh, uh, connectivity and internet connectivity, and so. We look at these characterizations and we look at these descriptions. Um, however, there have been developments that have that are actually um, enabling us maybe to not see um, these nation states in through the same lens, where we could actually be seeing the unforeseen rise of the nation states within this region, which could also be um, which also which could also be enhancing and actually. Uh, and also propelling um, the unforeseen rise of the region um, altogether. Um, also, when we look at the region, there's also this um, uh, emphasis on uh, uh, on conflict, on uh, the endangerment of peace and security. So we see this in Central African Republic, South Sudan, and Somalia. And this year, we specifically saw it in Ethiopia in the brutal civil war um, against the Tigray forces, uh, the terrorist fighters. And they, there was um, there were issues. There was food crisis. There was um, there, there was rape um, and also the targeting of refugee camps. However, this was really it was really fundamental the way that it ended because um, the way because it was resolved by the Ethiopian government, it was resolved by the Ethiopian forces. There was a lot of resistance, but um, at the end of the day, it was an issue that it was a, it was an issue that Ethiopia had and it was solved by the Ethiopians. And this is quite fundamental because um, one one common uh, notion that happens when we look at uh, uh, conflicts or conflicts that are within the African region, um, there is this belief that um, when there's a conflict, if there's a conflict in South Sudan or if there's a conflict in Somalia or in Central African Republic, the, the people them, the people cannot help themselves out of their situation. But in this, but in Ethiopia, we saw uh, this resilience and this um, determination to resolve the issue. And it started in 2020 and it has ended um, in 2021. And so this is this 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 we can see that the, that um, there is great potential for the unforeseen rise of um, of 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 particularly in Ethiopia, but also uh, this is this is this is an example for other uh, nation states as well. Especially given that during the civil war, there was also the involvement of the African Union as well in order to help to um, combat the the Tigray forces in Ethiopia. And we can also see this also the the whole idea of African forces enabling themselves and helping each other um, to, to 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 combat some of the issues um, in Mozambique where there were terrorist forces um, late in twenty twenty late late in twenty twenty um, where uh, where there were terrorist forces and um, Rwanda sent their forces and also the Southern African Development Society also sent their forces and it helped to reduce um, the effects and also people who had evacuated. Um, the the regions that were being attacked were actually able to go back home um, and to and to experience a peace which was established by by the people uh, by fellow Africans and even when we look at um, when we look at uh, the maps of 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 which which uh, which areas are uh, vaccinated and which areas have not received a vaccination uh, commonly when we look when when um, 
when when we look at uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, there is um, it, it's clear that there is um, vaccine inequality. There is vaccine apartheid, whereby due to vaccine nationalism, uh, uh, usually developed countries end up getting uh, the the, the uh, getting vac getting the the vaccines um, more. And therefore, they most of the populations are vaccinated, and sometimes they're hoarding of uh, uh, vaccines as well. Um, however, there have been efforts, for example, America through COVAX have has donated uh, vaccines for for vaccination in African countries. However, there is the criticism that um, it 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 it's they're still they're still um, not sharing into the intellectual property rights for African nations to make their their the vaccines in order to vaccinate their populations, and. Um, and we see, and this, and this, and this, and this inequality has been there for quite some time, and this was particularly exposed uh, with the with the discovery of the Omicron. So the Omicron was discovered um, by in, in South Africa, and it was declared in South Africa that there was a new variant, COVID uh, nineteen variant, which was the Omicron, and and immediately there was a travel ban um, from the UK, from America, and from the EU. Um, uh, to southern African countries, so to like to to Zambia, to Mozambique, to South Africa, to Zimbabwe, the countries in southern Africa, and we saw not only um, not only um, individuals standing up against it, saying that this was based and it was baseless, given that the variant was not from South Africa, it was actually from Europe, um, and we even saw, uh, uh, for example, President Ram Ramaphosa standing up against um, this uh, this this basically this racist um, travel ban, and eventually it was. It was um, taken away. Uh, the European Union did um, did 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 um, uh, take away their travel ban. And so when we see so so this the, the rise of African um, of, of African nations uh, speaking against inequality and injustice and 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 that actually being effective shows the unforeseen rise of many nations because a lot of these nations in Sub-Saharan Africa have um, experienced. Um, uh, um, they, 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 they are, they, they currently experience, um, limitation under colonial structures. So being able to stand up against that shows that there is increased potential and that, and that it was effective, shows that there is increased potential for the unforeseen rise of, um, African nations. And also, and also in regards to health, again, um, when we, when we talk about malaria, malaria is usually associated with um, Southeast Asia or even Sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, recently, um, there was the release of the vaccine for malaria, which has an efficacy of seventy-seven percent. So this also, so by resolving by resolving uh, this issue of, of of malaria, especially amongst children, the the potential for the for for these African nations to experience or to rise above their negative labels is further enhanced and further propelled. And we also see with uh, with climate change, um, the, there's the increased realization of the effects of climate change and the need to take action. And this has resulted in uh, many nations um, eventually um, uh, needing to 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 purchase or needing to demand for copper or bauxite or coltan in order to uh to 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 construct or to manufacture electric cars and and Congo has an abundance of of of, the, of these minerals and so under 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 their president they're actually uh, trying to standardize uh their 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 industries or to take advantage of these rich minerals which changes which changes the narrative whereby usually when we speak of uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, the Republic of Congo, it's usually um, known as a land where there's a lot of exploitation. Um, however, the standardization of what happens with these resources and how these resources are transferred and how these resources are extracted could lead to 
um, Congo benefiting from from its own resources and this unforeseen rise, whereby they're able to further invest into um, their infrastructure, invest into um, some of the issues that they're facing, um, and lead to the unforeseen rise of of the Congo and um, eventually. Um, even especially now, now that um, they've also recently become a member of the East African East African community, um, this could also have a ripple effect across East African uh, countries, and then if eventually um, in Sub-Saharan um, Africa, leading to the unforeseen rise of nation states within this region. <laughs> Lastly, we'll be talking about Latin America. Latin America is a region that encompasses the continent of South America. Mexico, Central America, and the islands of the Caribbean. This, all in all, um, has 21 countries, uh, 21 territories. And so these include, but are not limited to, Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Colombia, Venezuela, Haiti, Chile, Puerto Rico, Cuba, and Peru. And um, majority of them are identified by their Portuguese or Hispanic heritage. And it's and the culture, um, the Latino culture is really known for its diversity and its joy of life. Um, they're they have uh, they're known for their hospitality and um, the happiness of the people, the dancing, the varied and tasteful dishes, the uh, the, the 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 burritos, the ceviche, and um, they also have magnis- magnificent uh, tropical landscapes as well. And although um, Portuguese is spoken in Brazil and a majority of uh, these um, nation states speak Spanish, different regions actually have different accents and they have different dialects. And uh, because uh, because they because the way that they speak, the way that Spanish is spoken is very specific to this particular region. So the way that Spanish is spoken in Puerto Rico is different from the way that uh, Spanish is speak is spoken elsewhere. And also, um, some things to note about uh, about uh, nation states within Latin America is that um, Chile and Argentina are actually large wine uh, producers. Brazil is actually um, one of the world's largest coffee and sugar producer, and Colombia produces about ninety percent of the world's uh, of the world's emeralds. And um, so, something important to note. Um, because when we, when we, when, when many, uh, think about, um, Latin America, there's usually, um, you know, ideas of, or assumptions of, um, you know, poverty, um, especially, uh, criminal rates, uh, high, have, um, high criminal rates. And so, um, this can be seen, for instance, how, um, it's categorized as the world's most violent region, uh, whereby, there are 24, about 24 homicides per 100,000 inhabitants, for example, in 2012, compared to 9.5 or 4.4 or 3 um, in other regions, uh, such as North America or Asia or Africa. Um, and there is this, um, you know, characterization that there is this problem of homicides and it is staggering and it is, um, it's something that is, has been stubbornly persistent within this region. And the whole idea that um, this uh, this uh, um, Latin America is literally only home to eight percent of the world's population, but thirty seven a staggering thirty seven percent of the world's homicides actually come from Latin America, and this is very specific to different regions. So, um, commonly uh, in Mexico or Venezuela or Brazil, Papua New Guinea, Honduras, Colombia, and El Salvador, but not to all um, nations 
within in Latin America. And although there has been this negative label, there are there have been solutions. There have been um, leaders which have stepped up and really tried to combat this issue of um, uh, of crime and trying to reduce the rates of crime within within their um, particular uh, nation states. So we saw in so we saw in El Salvador with the rise of Bu, of Bukele, whereby uh, the the rates of homicide really reduced. Um, to the to the point of uh, it was like the lowest since 1992 when he when he came to power uh, we saw um also in mexico with uh obrador where he advocated for hugs and not drugs he was very aggressive about um about about organized crime and and, and really and really eliminating organized crime in order to create um a safer environment uh, for the people in mexico and even in brazil uh the rise of uh bolsonaro who also helped with um, uh, really trying to reduce uh, the criminal rates within Lat Lat Latin America. And this has included, for example, um, um, really looking at the judicial system, we're looking at uh, ways in which the judicial system could really um, uh, could really limit the, the, the occurrence of, of crime, but also the occurrence of, 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 of homicides as well. Um, and this includes, for instance, having a shorter having a shorter term in prison because the because the likelihood of the likelihood of uh, somebody actually becoming imprisoned is higher uh, because because it's something that is that is available. It's not something that it's not, for instance, a term that is that that would take like four years and needs needs a lot of um, evidence in order to, for someone to be imprisoned for. So and this also has also included investment into um, police forces and security forces and things like that in order to uh, to minimize or to uh, reduce uh, the, the 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 rates of criminals. So this also ha is really fundamental in, in in regards to these nation states experiencing um, a rise uh, from these negative labels. Not only because the 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 whole at uh, the whole uh, the whole uh, notion of 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 being uh, a region with um, high criminal rates is 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 um is reduced but also when when the levels of crime and violence are are are, are dealt with it also allows um other developments to also to also blossom as well so when we look at for instance um uh social equity when we look at um economic uh development as well it's no longer as hindered and so the, so now we see um this this gradual but this um this 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 gradual but this certain uh, unforeseen rise of these of these different uh, nation states, which could also have a ripple effect um, across the entire region. And another um, very interesting uh, development that has been taking place um, is in Chile, where we're having um, this uh, a new a new leader um, coming coming into the political scene, and this was really um, his importance can be really. Be seen where previously in 2019 there was broad inequality in Chile, where there was a lack of public services, there was an alienation between the citizens and the politicians, which led to a wave of social protest in 2019. And although there was uh, this formation of constitutional assembly um, with a new constitution um, to revise what was already written under Pinochet, um, this has actually been further. Um, enhanced and 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 the permanence of of removing uh, this brutally neoliberal model, which was uh, established by Pinochet between nineteen seventy three and nineteen ninety, 
um, is further propelled by the victory of um, Gabriel Boric, um, the recent elections, um, where he will be he will be he will be uh, the president of Chile from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty six, and so this victory he is the youngest um, of presidents and he also has been the most voted for, and um, he is from the leftist coalition, and he advocates for raise rising uh raising the minimum wage and also undertaking um tax and pension system reform and implementing public health care. This is essential because because he's also he's also expanding the welfare system in a modern way, in a way that is also environmentally uh, sensitive, but also in a way that is also representative in regards to uh, the people which are represented in 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 this in this um in this reform and in this expansion of 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 of, of a welfare system that benefits everyone. It's very progressive, and so this development only happening in Chile could um actually um replicate itself across uh different different uh, nation states within. Uh, within within uh within Latin America, whereby whereby there is there is this turn towards uh policies that are that are more um inclusive when it when, when it comes to um benefiting everyone's society, not just not just the the elite. And although there were other candidates which were um running for presidency, such as uh Provost and also um and also Cast as well, they they ended up uh, not winning. And for example, um, Cast had actually forty four percent, um, forty four percent voter for him in comparison to fifty six percent for for Boric. And this is this is quite fundamental, and it's quite um, it, it's quite uh, it's quite remarkable because because there is going to be a tax on the wealth and also a reform of the pension system. Um, reduction even of 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 the hours of work, um, and also the and also uh, reform on the on the public healthcare, and so this although there might be some uh, limitations, he might have to compromise given that in the Senate, um, he lacks majority. But the 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 the, the very um, the very uh, rise and the very uh, um, promotion of this of of Boric as the president. Um, helps us to see that the potential of un- of of an unforeseen rise in Latin America is there, and um, and there is um the potential for this for this nation, uh, Chile to rise above uh, some of its ne- negative labels that have been imposed on it, and and possibly eventually even other Latin nation Latin American nation states could also, um, be adapting similar policies as well. <music> Thank you.